The game, hour number two. Mitch Fortner with Troy Coverdale, David G. Sage Williams is on the board today. But now we have some special guests in studio. It is the 14th annual Wildcats for No Stone Unturned. As we welcome in former K-State offensive lineman Eric Wolford, also B.J. Finney, and of course Coach Snyder is here as well. Welcome, gentlemen. It's once again that very special weekend out of the year. I mean, I, I started on the show in 2014, and it feels like right around this time every year that you're here to talk with us about No Stone Unturned. So we'll start with you, Eric. Just uh, the details about this year's event, Friday and Saturday, with, of course, uh, the golfing that will be taking place and also the, the gala tomorrow night. Well, obviously, uh, we appreciate you and everything you guys have done for us uh, as far as getting us out there in the public. But this, this community has been so supportive of us. On Friday, we'll golf out at the Country Club, and then Friday evening we'll have our fundraiser there at the Hilton, and then we'll come back on Saturday again and golf, and this year's golf again is sold out. Everything sells out pretty early, and it's a situation where, you know, us former players, people in the community, businesses in the community, we just want to give back to this community that's been so good to us. Uh, you know, a pe- long time ago, uh, K-State football wasn't very uh, popular, you know, like it is today. And uh, we just felt like as former players, we wanted to give back to these people. Now, B.J. Finney, you're younger, of course. I mean, you were here part of the second run for Coach Snyder, and you're a part of this event. So what has it been like for you to be a part of No Stone Unturned and the Wildcats for No Stone Unturned? Uh, you know, honestly, it's been a, a true blessing. Uh, Eric and his wife, Melinda, set up a great foundation. They do a lot of great things uh, for kids that are in need. And, you know, to be honored, I'm honored to be a, be able to be a part of it and, Whatever role I can play in, in helping them grow and, and raise awareness, I'll be able to do it. So um, just huge thanks to them. And C- Coach Snyder, what does it mean to you to see your former players do such a great thing for this community? Well, it's, it is very meaningful. It's not surprising. Uh, you know, that's the type of young men that they, that they are. Uh, the cause is uh, monumental, quite obviously. And the fact that... Uh, uh, the Wolfords, you know, initiated this within our community, uh, says a great deal uh, in regards to, <clears throat> you know, their, their feelings about the community of Manhattan and the outlying areas. And that's what's, you know, so significant about, uh, you know, the fundraising and trying to establish the capacity to enhance the organization uh, all across the country. Uh, but expand it, you know, certainly in the state of Kansas and give, because uh, they have a lot. Uh, Eric can give you more information on that than I can, but there are an awful lot of, as mentioned, uh, young people that are brought into uh, Manhattan uh, to achieve the services of No Stone and to be able to branch out, you know, certainly would make a difference within, uh, within the state of Kansas. It's, uh, and it's not only, uh, you know, a, a marvelous gesture on the Wolford's part. Uh, it's, you know, it's highly successful. As Eric said, you know, there's so many on the waiting list. And, and the service that it uh, achieves, you know, what it does for these young people where they can't, you know, there's so many different things that can affect the learning capacity for young people. And uh, this is the only organization that addresses virtually uh, 
you know, everything. And consequently, it's, uh, uh, well, again, I'm repeating myself, but it's just monumental within, the, within certainly Manhattan, Kansas, but, you know, throughout the state as well. Friday and Saturday will feature the golf scramble, and also on Friday will be the gala. Still spots remaining for this? There's uh, not any spots left as far as golfing goes. At the gala, uh, I would say you'd have to go back online and see if you can register to see if there is a spot. But at this time, I would I would not know. Well, no stoneunturned.org for more information on that. Now, with the gala, there's also the auction. And I'm always curious to know what you have available for the auction every year. <laughs> we have a bunch of things. Uh, obviously, you know, we've got a big trip up to Alaska that you can go on. It's a cruise that's been donated. Uh, we have a special trip go watch the Chiefs play you got uh, one of my former players when I was head coach at Youngstown State he's the defensive back coach now at uh, Kansas City and uh, he gave us four club level seats there's a Las Vegas weekend another one of my uh, coaches from Youngstown he's the O-line coach now at the Raiders so we got a Raider you know and there's probably not a lot of Raiders fans here but it's a Las Vegas weekend hotels and get a chance to see that stadium out there which is a pretty special place we got a Harley Davidson that'll be raffled off, and we got several things Kansas State related, as far as T runners and those type of things. But a lot of things here in the community that you can do as far as buying sides of beef and those type of things. BJ, do you have much of a golf game? <laughs> no, I do not. I do something resembling golf, but golf game is not there. <laughs> We're talking with Eric Wolford, BJ Finney, and Coach Bill Snyder as we talk 14th annual Wildcats for No Stone Unturned. Coach Wolford, your coaching career has taken another interesting turn as an O-line coach, still in the SEC, but now with the Alabama Crimson Tide, I'm, I'm curious to know about Nick Saban, like what kind of guy he is off the field, because us as media, we see him in front of the camera answer these questions, maybe gets a little fired up with him, but have you gotten to know him over the last few months? I have, and uh, you know, I've been fortunate. I played for Coach Snyder here at Kansas State. I understand structure. I understand work ethic. I understand doing things right. Uh, super organized guy. Uh, loves to work, you know. And I don't have an issue with that because I'm probably the only person in America that has a golf event that doesn't golf. <laughs> because I'm just. I assumed you did. That's that's. I'm just not wired that way. Uh, I love the game of football. It's been obviously a game changer for me. I owe a lot to Coach Snyder for changing my life. He's helped so many of us former players. And uh, we say that all the time, but he taught us that. But working hard and doing things right, that's Nick Saban. And he's not that media version that you think he is. Uh, he's a really uh, kind-hearted man, really cares about his players. He does things – I mean, I've seen us do things as far as taking care of the player on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm talking about legitimate mental health concerns, uh, players needing things, you know, that type of thing, support system. Uh, even, you know, better than we did at the 49ers. BJ, you had to make a pretty big decision not too long ago about retiring from the NFL after seven seasons, and you, you spent most of that with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I believe that was the team you grew up watching and, and loving. And I can remember when you got the call from the Steelers, that video went viral about your emotional announcement to your family and friends, which is still cool. I watched it today just to refresh my memory. And now a lot of people are doing that, sharing their reactions to getting calls from those NFL teams. But you know, when you had to make that call to 
hang it up and, and move on with your life due to injuries. Just how tough was that for you? Uh, you know, I was actually pretty fortunate that that call wasn't too difficult to make. Um, you know, that's one thing that as players, you know, come to the end of their career, everybody has that, you know, that little guy on your shoulder says, hey, you know, don't quit, don't quit. And, um, you know, when the doctors tell you, you know, it's, it's time to hang it up, unfortunately, um, you know, that little voice is, it goes by the wayside. So, you know, just talking with my wife and kind of reflecting on it, we're like, hey, this isn't really that hard of a choice to make. Um, you know, we need to retire and we're, we're excited to be back in Manhattan. We live just north of town and, um, you know, happy wife, happy life. So what are you up to now? Um, I'll, on the 18th, I'll be taking a job at the athletic department here at Kansas State. Awesome. So uh, we're excited. It's going to be a great opportunity for me and uh, my wife to give back to the university that we love so much and be involved, and uh, we can't wait to get started. Coach Snyder, I'm sure the, the book, it's out now, of course, uh, but doing autograph signings <laughs> and uh, just meeting more Wildcats along with D. Scott Fritchin, has that been taking up most of your time these days? Well, not most of it, but it takes up uh, you know a certain amount of time, maybe once a week, and <clears throat> we'll do it for about three or four hours a day. And um, and I, you know, I don't. It's not something that we have to do, but uh, we do it because I appreciate the people. And Scott is the same way, you know, just being able to uh, show an appreciation for people that not because they bought a book, but because they care and they care about these guys, they care about the program, uh, that's, that's meaningful. I also wanted to ask you, Coach, about Matt Miller, who passed away recently. I got to catch up with Mitch Running and also uh, Mitch Holtis, mm-hmm. uh, just about what they remember about Mitch Running, who, of course, played uh, here in the mid-'90s, uh, left in 95. And um, you, you, after this, you guys are actually going to a memorial for him. Uh, but I just wanted to ask you about if, what you do remember about the time Mitch Running was here. Or I'm sorry, uh, Matt, Matt Miller was here. Well, you know, Matt was uh, was a transfer student, came from Texas A&M, if I recall correctly, and <clears throat> was uh, became a two-year starter for us and uh, established a number of uh, passing records uh, here at the time. Uh, he led the... Uh, the program over a period of time, I've, he's, you know, dipped down a little bit right now. But uh, he he was more than he was more than a football player. You know, he had much more. You know, he was such a first and foremost, he was a highly competitive individual, uh, and he was he was very personable with his uh, with his teammates, with everyone. You know, and he's somebody. You know, he had. Like all of us, you know, you got your uh, issues from here and uh, uh, other places in your life. But, but Matt uh, was somebody. I mean, his teammates uh, rallied around him. I mean, he was uh, he was kind of a cheerleader type. He was uh, a guy that uh, he wouldn't ask you to do anything that he wouldn't do himself. I mean, he he worked extremely hard. He was competitive. He was a tough-minded young guy. He was a tough young person. Uh, took, uh, you know, really took a beating. You know, I think he had, in his time with us, he had two concussions and two uh, dislocated shoulders. Uh, played with, with all four of those injuries, you know, before we found out that he was uh, injured. Uh, and uh, just just had that that degree of toughness that was uh, absolutely amazing. And he, 
Uh, you know, he's a good family man. You know, his father was a, a football man uh, in, in the NFL in particular and uh, preceded uh, Matt in, uh, in his death. Matt has uh, three daughters and he, I mean, he worships them and, and they worship him because he cares about them or did, you know, so very, very much. But, uh, you know, just a, a guy that, uh, and, and always, always seemed to make the best out of anything and everything. <clears throat> he was always very positive about uh, anything. You know, if he made mistakes, he would accept the responsibility. He didn't want anybody to accept the responsibility for him. And when others would make mistakes, he would, uh, in his leadership role, would accept the responsibility you know, for, for that. He was just a, he was a good teammate, a uh, good friend to, to most, and uh, somebody that uh, I've always had a great appreciation for. I saw him the day before his, uh, he passed in Kansas City at the hospital. Uh, he knew he was going to pass, and yet he was as upbeat as, as ever. You know, uh, during the, uh, my wife Sharon and I, <coughs> excuse me, were in the room for an oh, hour and a half probably <coughs> with him, and he had a smile on his face the entire time and telling jokes and telling funny stories, and uh, he was just an uh, amazing young guy. Now, Coach Wolford, did you overlap with him at any time, so, like as a GA or anything? So when he came in, he was uh, transferred, you know, unlike today, transfer portal, you could do anything you want today. Uh, he came in, he had to sit out a year. But uh, Matt was a great guy. Michael Hodges uh, spent some time with him also. I mean, just a high-energy guy, fun guy to be around, and uh, full of energy. Now, uh, it is one of my least favorite topics to talk about in football, but this day and age, conference realignment, I mean, you're now in the SEC, are you kind of just kind of leaning back and letting things unfold the way they are? That's kind of kind of a well, joke there but it is <laughs> chaos right now with, no, with college football it, it, it's crazy um there's a lot of things that have taken place you know coach Saban always jokes around last five years we haven't passed a lot of good NCAA rules that benefit anything in college football uh I probably shouldn't have said that <laughs> but uh it is frustrating you know I think it's frustrating for fans I think it's frustrating for players coaches everybody involved uh we, we got a serious issue obviously on our hands with Conference realignment, NIL, transfers, you know, um, people buying players, you know, and the numbers you hear are, are large as you guys you guys lived it uh, back in December or January or whenever mm -hmm. with the basketball player. So it's uh, it's out there. It's for real. Yeah, it is. And, you know, unfortunately, it feels like ESPN and Fox are the ones in control of uh, – of college football right now, uh, BJ. I actually want to bounce back to you in your uh, in your NFL career. You you played with some pretty big time quarterbacks. I know for a short time it was with Russell Wilson. You got to also play to, uh, with Tyler Lockett one more time, but also Ben Roethlisberger. Do you have any favorite moments when you were in the NFL that stand out to you? Um, you know some of the craziest things I got to witness in the NFL just from the the freak athletes I was around were on the practice field. I mean, yeah, you guys see a lot of cool things during the games, but, you know, Coach Tom would always say, make the unroutine the routine. And where you do that is on the practice field. So one of the craziest things I watched, one of the first things we always did in practice was, uh, you know, was goal line. And we call it seven shots. You got seven plays, 
you know, offense or defense is going to win. Um, and we called this play, and, and Ben scrambles out of the pocket, and he just, you know, sidearms this ball. Like, he doesn't throw it very hard. He just kind of does this weird sidearm action. And Antonio Brown is on the far corner of the back of the end zone, and he comes running across the back of the end zone, you know, 30 yards, and just jumps and snags this ball one-handed. It just seemed that ball just seemed to float there, and he got both feet in. We ended, the offense ended up winning that seven shots, but everybody was just kind of sitting there, and we're looking around at each other like, "What did we just watch?" Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was those moments like that, and everybody was just astounded. Besides Ben and AB, you know, mm-hmm. and that was just what they did. But every, yeah, those moments like that are, are what I reflect upon the most. Do you remember anybody across from you that may have been one of the biggest trash talkers in the NFL? Uh, I wouldn't say too much about trash talking. Um, you know, we all know that we're probably going to be end up teammates somewhere down the road. So as much as we move around the NFL, um, you know, there's a lot of great guys. We end up just carry conversations, you know, between plays and stuff like that. So I wouldn't say there's too much trash talking. Well, Coach, I mean, I wasn't going to ask about conference realignment. You may have your own thoughts about that. But I did want to ask about – uh, you, so USC, of course, they go through the coaching change, and now Lincoln Riley is there. Um, your son, Sean, uh, do you know what is next for him when it comes to coaching? Uh, Sean has uh, accepted a position as a special teams coordinator. Uh, I'm not sure uh, if they've finished the contract yet, so I'm not sure that I'm at liberty to say where that where that school is, but it's in a major conference and. Uh, in the country, but he will continue on coaching. That's yes, that's well, great he, news. He, even if he hadn't, uh, and this just happened recently, he had turned down uh, two or three opportunities, but none of them were on the field coaching. You know, he was offered coordinator position, but would have to do it off the field, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, a number of different things like that. But he, Sean, wants to be on the field, uh, not just. Uh, in the coordination role, but also to have the opportunity to interact with uh, with young people and be able to work with them, communicate with them, and, and be around uh, and try to you know provide as much help for them as he as he can and have control over the you know the meeting room space that he has and uh, you know all the things that uh, coaches do. You know it's like these two young guys right here. You know. You, talk about the positions they coach and et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, they interact with <clears throat> with other young people in such an amazing, amazing way. And uh, they're they're caring and Sean's that kind of a kind of an individual as well. Well I'm glad he's still out there coaching and doing his thing. He's the best special teams coach out there in college football. There's no doubt about that. Coach Wolford, let's uh, run down the information one more time because I know you guys uh, need to get going for the Matt Miller Memorial, but uh, tomorrow and Saturday, 14th annual Wildcats for No Stone Unturned. It's going to be another awesome event, raising money for a great cause. No question. And we appreciate you guys having us back again. Appreciate this community. So many people, uh, just so many people have helped us in so many ways. And uh, these kids need us. These families need us, these parents. And there's nothing like giving back something and not expecting something in return. You know, be a giver. We need more givers out there just in general in life. Too many people are takers. And uh, Coach taught us that a long time ago. And uh, we're excited to be here again, and we're going to rock it this weekend. Coach Wolford, Coach Snyder, BJ, Michael, 
Once again, it's an honor to have you guys in here. Annual interview we always do, but it's, again, it's one of our favorite events to promote year awesome. after year because it's such a great cause for the community. Helps a lot of great people. Thank you so much, guys, for coming in, and best of luck for this event this weekend. Thanks, Mitch. Once again, that is Bill Snyder, BJ Finney, Eric Wolford, 14th Annual Wildcats for No Stone Unturned. More information at nostoneunturned.org. More of the game after this. Huey wants to get back in time. Oh, I thought this was Sex Pistols again. He's 72 this week. <laughs> Huey's 72 this week. That doesn't seem possible. That's wild. I've never been a big Huey Lewis in the News fan. I know that sounds terrible, but... Eh. I used to work with a guy in high school at the grocery store. His favorite band was Huey Lewis in oh. the News. And didn't see him until like one of those years. Didn't see the group until I one of the years I was working with him. So we're talking like the end of a... The 2000s. Oh, my God. At, at the Kansas State Fair. Oh, Lord. I was like, I was so happy for him. <laughs> Said it was the best show ever. Yeah, I bet he peed his pants. Good God. <laughs> and then he killed somebody with an axe. It was crazy. Uh, oh. Gee, okay, yeah. <laughs> Come on. All show? right. Yeah. Hey, big thanks again to uh, Coach Snyder, Coach Wolford, BJ Finney stopping by for the 14th annual, promote the 14th annual Wildcats for No Stone Unturned. I want to just throw out the website again. Uh, NoStoneUnturned.org is where you can go donate. Uh, money that goes to a great cause, the No Stone Unturned Foundation and Therapeutic Learning Center. And that uh, that benefit the whole event, Friday and Saturday. Last year was the first opportunity I had to go to the gala, and boy, was that an eye-opener. Uh, with the recognition that they give to a number of the families that they serve. And... Uh, it was a packed house last year. It's going to be a packed house. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what the Harley Davidson looks like this year. By the way, yeah, that's cool. That was a sweet purple ride last nice. year. Nice, and it really it's hard not to get behind No Stone Unturned. I, I mean, when you learn about it and you educate yourself, it is a fantastic thing to give money to. It's is awesome. I love. I love helping out others, and that Stone Unturned, no Stone Unturned is amazing. And one of the big things to remember that all of this is coming at a point where they're getting ready for their own building. Wow. They are getting ready to put together their own, and uh, that speaks volumes to just yes. the services and the support that they receive. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I want an add-on as well. How about uh, K-State Baseball? They have hired their new pitching coach. What? The the hiring has been made. Buck Taylor has been replaced. Um, and you know what? Doesn't look too shabby, if you ask me. Not too bad. His name is Rudy Darrow, I believe mm-hmm. is how you say his last name. Spent yep. some time at Labette County Community College Whoa. in his college days. Went on to play at Nichols. Was drafted by the Tigers in the 32nd round. Made it as high as double A with both the Tigers and the Braves before then getting back into coaching when he returned to Nichols State as a, as an assistant there. Spent time at Norman Hyde, then was brought on by Hughes as a, a volunteer assistant back in 2016 at Oklahoma. So familiarity there uh, helped put together that uh, good class of 2017 that OU had in terms of recruiting. And then went on to be the pitching coach down at uh, New Orleans for four years before then uh, stepping away there. Went back to central Oklahoma, coached there for 2019, 2020, of course, out because of COVID. And 
finds his way back onto a Pete Hughes staff. Nice. I love when he, people go, oh, d- sorry, dude, the one big go, oh, he only made it to double A. You know how many people <laughs> that is? That's like the smallest section yeah. of our, co- you know, and then even smaller make it to triple A. And then even a smaller percentage of those folks make it to the bigs. It's so hard. When you make it to double A, that means you know what you're doing and you're pretty good at it. Well, and he's he, he's had a young coaching career so far, just a, a shade over a decade, and he's made five stops already in his career. He's moved around. But this is a huge opportunity, not only for K-State, to try to correct the issues they were having with its pitching, inconsistency, and of course, you know, the bullpen, it was, I mean, pitching just together, but the bullpen was doing a lot better towards the tail end of the season. Mm -hmm. Need more production on the road in those tough environments because we haven't had that in the last couple of years. That's where the biggest flaw, honestly, that, uh, that this team had this season was just a complete different team at home than it was on the road, especially pitching. Uh, All you have to do is just look at uh, even the differences for the starting rotation, uh, how they performed on the road versus how they did uh, at home. And when you only win one road game, essentially, in your season, uh, yeah, uh, you, you have got to figure out a way to be able to claw out some some victories away from the point. Let's you don't. It, it's awkward to Coach say. Coach Hughes it, I calls it the toint. I know it's just funny. It's that's just who like, I got it. That's who I first got it from. Like I started calling it the toint after I heard Coach Hughes say it. I was like, you know what? We're abbreviating every other <laughs> I know structure we have at, on Kansas State's <laughs> campus. The toint is just good. It's just good, man. It's good. Am I crazy to say Fort Snyder is kind of growing on me? <laughs> I've said it to Bill a thousand and three times. Yeah, me too. I've said Fort Snyder a couple of times. Right. I, fa- I don't necessarily favor it, but I like it because it mixes my nickname and half my last name with Coach Snyder's last name. So you know what I'm saying? Uh, it's honoring uh-huh. two greats in the uh-huh. community. I yeah, am yeah, I so happy. We just shared a studio. I, I know. It's going to win a cave. I am so happy that legendary Hall of Fame head coach Bill Snyder got the heck out of the building before you said, hey, uh, so <laughs> Fort Snyder kind of uh, is my name and your last name together. He would have been like, thank you. Uh-huh. He got in here early because if you didn't miss the fir- if you missed the first hour, he showed up for a little bit of do they know it. He's actually here for the whole game. That was awesome. Seemed like he enjoyed listening to what he could listen to. I I, I was actually I was shutting off the microphones a whole bunch, so I was hoping he like maybe he could like listen in because he didn't have headphones on. Everything was taken in the studio. Uh, but uh, seemed to enjoy himself. That was and then, awesome. And then the guys were like, "We thought we could get here early." Can't get here earlier than Coach, though. <laughs> coach is always going to be earlier than you. I told him, I was like, Coach, hey, we got this big backyard if they need to start doing some sprints. <laughs> he thought about it for a half And a the second. grass is nice and tall. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, all right, let's go. Oh. All right, let's take a break. Our number one song of the day up next. I know, I know. We already had the Beatles this week, but 
just so happens a Beatle celebrating his 82nd birthday today. He's the oldest Beatle. This is from 1973, photographed by Ringo Starr, one week and number one. I'm glad I bumped with uh, It Don't Come Easy earlier today, by the way. His real name is Sir Richard Starkey. And he's a musician, a singer, songwriter, and actor, whose fame, of course, came from being the drummer of the Beatles. And he's from Liverpool, England. Liverpool. Now, he had already been somewhat of a, a moderate success in the UK, in Germany, in a previous band called the Hurricanes. But then in August of 1962, he had an opportunity to join this band called the Beatles, replacing Pete Best. I'll stick with the Hurricanes. It's a better name. Yeah, the Hurricanes. (laughs) I'll stick with the Hurricanes. When they walk out on stage, people shoot fire extinguishers off. People put plywood up on windows when they come on the stage. Nope, man. (laughs) I'll stick with the Hurricanes. In 2011, Rolling Stone named him the fifth greatest drummer of all time, inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice, of course, with the Beatles, and then a solo artist in 2015. He was the last of the solo Beatles to be inducted and uh, appointed Night Bachelor in 2018 for his service in music in 2020. He was cited as the wealthiest drummer in the world with a net worth of $350 million. Wow. Well, he went solo in 1970, 20 studio albums, 11 top 40 hits, first of two number ones, and it's from his third album called Ringo. Wingo. This song, the singer laments the loss of his girl. Well, so far a Beatles song, right? Yeah. Uh, The pain is made more intense by a photograph he has that reminds him of the good times they had. Have you ever kept a photo of an ex? Uh, Unwittingly, yeah. But never like one I kept and like looked at all the time or anything. But yeah. And then another girlfriend found that. It's like, what the hell is this? And you go, no, babe, I swear, babe, I hate her. And then she takes the the frame and busts it over your head. Uh-huh. You Class can. gets in your hair. Yeah, and then you're like, this is more pain than the breakup. <laughs> Ringo wrote this with one of his Beatle mates, George Harrison. Oh. Ringo, lead vocalist, he also played drums on the track, shocker. Uh, George Harrison, he sang harmony. And he played the 12-string guitar. Now, your eyes just got big. You're thinking the double-neck... Damn! Uh, no, it's not double-neck guitar. It's literally just like a regular guitar, but instead of six strings, 12 strings. It's like big, like big old thing. Like The neck is just giant. No? Really? It, it basically... I don't know what... I don't know the parts of a guitar, but like two strings share the one gimmick. Oh! I think that's how it works. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like a regular guitar, but with 12 strings. Oh, okay. God, what is this interrogation? I... <laughs> <laughs> huh, give me that fifth degree over it. What, uh, what kind? Is it Gibson? Is it uh, <laughs> Ibanez or whatever? Oh no! Uh, like, let's see. does George Harrison have his hand in every hit from the Beatles? Yo, I mean, he did work with a lot of Beatles, other yeah. Beatles on their solo stuff. Yeah, he's like the man. He essentially, he essentially was 
He's the one they all liked. Yeah, he 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 was Switzerland. <laughs> he was he was neutral. Yeah, he. You know what? Poor George probably heard about it, like from everybody else about the other guys. He was like, yeah, he, yeah, John does have a tendency to do that. Can you well, I get back to the song? I, I see. Th- that's like the gray area, or that's the part of the Beatles' history. I don't quite know enough about like the relationship after they broke up. Like, were they all still cool? I don't know. Maybe I'll go do my research later. But I, I don't think John and Paul were cool at all. I mean, a little bit, you know. At the end, yeah, it, yeah. Oof. You know, like they said after John Lennon was killed, even Paul McCartney was like, "Oh, that's a bummer." Oh, stop it. Oh, he said. Oh, that was a bummer. Anyway, I'm uh, uh, the wings. <laughs> I love wings. You look at you No trading on today. Because I, I honestly, I, I delved deep into Mark David Chapman. And, and then I had, and then I read about John Lennon. And it was. Uh, You've set me up so, for so many runners, but I'm trying to be respectful. It's the Beatles, for God's sake. It sakes. is the Beats. I'm gonna pe- make more people mad than make happy about any jokes. The Beatles. The Beatles. George Harrison. Crazy Beatles. Who was it in. Uh, I'm even blanking on the movie now, but. Dewey Cox Walk Hard. Oh, that's yeah. it. Yeah. It's, was it. Uh, Paul Rudd, like Paul Rudd Paul and Rudd, Jack Black. Yes. Like we all the Beatles. Beatles. He'll take he'll take LSD if he wants to. Yeah, that's a great movie. Ringo also performed this at the 2014 Grammy Awards, and uh, he 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 made it more uplifting. It's not the most uplifting song when it comes no. to the subject, but it was a, re- a joyful rendition. And then later on, p- performed with Paul McCartney on drums for one of Paul's new songs called Queenie Eye. Hmm. Rolling Stone said, this is the seventh best post-Beatles song. Whoa. It is a jam. It's a good It's a good song. We used to go. I listened to it twice today. I always listen to whatever the number one song of the day is. I usually listen to it multiple times. When I'm getting it ready to go, also a little after, and then like YouTube, I look them up on YouTube, and then it takes me through a journey of other bands and I'm like hey keep it going buddy you're doing a good job <laughs> like today this led me into some Gordon Lightfoot oh wow uh, and some Jim Croce I was like I'm down yeah, yeah. keep it going let's go of course number one on that list Rolling Stone live and let die no <laughs> imagine imagine all the people imagine there was no ask us anything whoa don't go there. No, that's not going to happen. That is coming up. Uh, you know what, Sage? Sage? You get us out when we need to get out. Yes, yeah, Sage. Let's just jump right into it, because I'm dying to know these questions. I have a quest for you, guys. What did living through the pandemic teach you? I learned that haircuts are irrelevant. I can just do whatever I want. I learned that I have no problem sitting in my house for a long period of time. <laughs> and I could take walks around my yard or something. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think how to word this without it coming off as the bitter guy. Because oh, yeah. it taught me in a completely different lesson it, than it a lot taught, of people. Yeah, for sure. Well, it, you're it, one of many, though, that it, ended up losing. Oh, you. absolutely. Um, it taught me that sacrifice 
and being the hardest worker in the building doesn't always work out. Right. And it like doesn't work out right then. Sometimes the payoff you have to wait for and wait for and wait for. And that's what stinks. You don't be so Troy's advice is don't be the don't be the hard worker. I also learned that and I, and I hate to say that because it, yeah. but but you may outwork someone else and it still may not sure pay off the way it should. Sure. I also learned that I single-handedly cannot keep the restaurant business <laughs> is in Manhattan afloat by myself. No. I, it, is, it, it takes multiple people. I tried. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I, I helped out a little bit, but it takes more than one, you know? I saw online people were shouting you out. They're like, thank you to the Fort, Fort Snyder. And I was like, cool. I just got $3 burritos at Taco Bell. (laughs) Great job. Sage, you have an answer? I mean, generally, I learned how quickly things can change and also how easy it is to get, like, stuck in a rut. Because when I went to college during the pandemic, I was, like, so okay with just, like, opening one window and closing the next kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And got really lazy. And you can't do that. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a great answer. She always gets the good answers. Um, let's see. Um, what are some, like, considered unmanly things that are actually super tough manly things? I'll say one thing. Gardening is like, oh, look at you in your little garden. It's hard work to garden stuff, man. Here's it's the answer. Tough. Cooking. Yeah, yeah. Cooking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, Troy, do you do the cooking in the house? Uh, I do my share of cooking. Nice. Absolutely. Very good. Absolutely. I, and in fact, uh, because Monica was working much worse hours than I was at times, especially during the pandemic, I've been known to just take over supper. Nice. Many times. And she's like, go ahead. Monica's like, I don't know, whatever, dude. Um, I mean, complete turn on it here, but showing emotion. I like that. Hmm. I like that. I do, and Lindsay will call me out on this, and she's totally right that I'm. I, I don't talk about my emotions enough. I know I need to. It's not easy for me. But I'm also not the most emotional person. Like you, really got to drag out that emotion. Either sad, uh, mad, ang- like angry. You know. Yeah. Other than happy or content. Right. You I'll cry at a commercial, baby. I don't. <laughs> I get all misty eyed. Well, that's the thing. I can cry at a, at a movie. Like, yeah. I remember watching Congo for the first time. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> don't let that. Wait, what? Don't let it run off. I, I mean, what he couldn't even. Simon Birch, old yeller, or something. You know, normal. Oh my God, Congo. Michael Creighton, you are one heck of a writer. Maisie, stay. Unbelievable. Um, Sajay, do you have an answer? Well, I wanted wanted to go beyond the manly thing, just like adult thing. Yes. Because have you ever gone to like a trampoline park or jumped on a trampoline as an adult? It's kind of hard to do it for a long time, and kids can jump on trampolines forever. For life. That's crazy. I have learned my Lindsay has a trampoline, and I noticed like... As an adult, I hadn't jumped on one for many years. I used to be able to do gainers and stuff. Yeah, you got to be in a certain kind of shape to be able to <laughs> pull off those kind of stunts and just jump continuously. Oh, yeah, yeah, and that shape and not be round. 
Yeah. It, it, <laughs> also, I heard an interesting uh, for Ask a K Rocker was what was a thing as a kid that you thought was a sign of wealth. Somebody pointed out the net around a trampoline meant mm. you had some cash. You used to pretend that was a steel cage and had Ooh. matches. And they're like, here comes that Fortner kid. He's going to mess our net up. Don't do that, Mitch. Oh, God. That's good. That's really good. Um, one more thing. What childish thing do adults do that you hate? Baby talk. Hate it. Hate it. That's a rip. That might. I want you with a pee pee. How are you going to put up with that with two babies in the house? Oh, no. full sentences. Yes, <laughs> father. I would love to jump on the trampoline. <laughs> We got a bounce. We're back with the game tomorrow for Sage, DG, Troy, Mitch, go Cats.